but if you don't have the money to go buy the deals, you gotta, you know, you gotta hustle and, and, and crush it and work hard and, and patience. Got to take your time, slow down. I see all these new folks that are just like so shot out of a cannon. I got to have 14 doors tomorrow. And it's just not realistic. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 365 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. I had so much fun recording this episode. I, if you could see me right now, if I, if I can beam, I'm beaming. I got to talk to Luke Carl. Luke is Avery Carl's husband, a partner in the short-term shop, powered, brokered by eXp Realty. Luke handles all the, the, the nuts and bolts of the business that, short, that the short-term shop has built. A fantastic background, much like Avery, rock and roll all the way. So we're going to have a wonderful time in this conversation. Let's just get this thing started. Luke, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure, man. My, my pleasure. Absolute uh, honor to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really excited about this because it's very rare for me to interview the husband and the wife right on the podcast, especially, literally, I think this is almost three years after I had my first conversation with Avery, and she was just doing some great things. Both of you were doing some great things at that time with the short-term shop. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. But first, I like to find out about my guests. I like to go back in time. And I know that you and Avery lived in Brooklyn at one point, right? As in your lives. And I know that Avery's from Mississippi originally. I'm just guessing you're not. <laughs> did, did you grow up in New York? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, as a matter of fact, to blow your mind again, I'm from Nebraska. So we're both wow. from uh, states that nobody's ever heard of. But yeah, we both come from really small town. My town was actually smaller. I went on that one. She grew up in a college town, Mississippi State, uh, Starkville. And right. I grew up, I grew up not far from Omaha, not too far. You know, she makes jokes when I say I'm from a town of 1,100 people because I did grow up, you know, about 45 minutes to an hour from Omaha. So big city, but way out, way out in the sticks in a cornfield. But yeah, small town boy for most purposes. And we both moved to the city. Yeah, I lived in, I lived in New York for, man, a long time, like 14, 15 years. Okay. So how old were you when you left Nebraska? I mean, did you go to high school there? You went through all that, stayed there till that time? Yeah, born and raised. My folks and my brother and most of my family still lives there, immediate family. And I moved when I was 20. I couldn't wait to get out. I, I said, I'm going to go move to the biggest city on the planet and, and take over the world. And, and that's pretty much what I did, at least to my standards anyway. And I did go to college at University of Nebraska, Omaha for three years. That didn't go so well. And so I just basically, I hopped in a van with a couple of guys I never met. And, you know, it was like, this is the early days. That's actually a pretty good story. I won't get into the weeds, but way back, this was like MySpace hadn't even been created yet. And it was like right on the verge of that MySpace era. And I found there was a band from one town over Lincoln where the, where the football team is. And I knew that they had moved to the big city and I just, I found their email address somehow. This was like email. I mean, this would have been like 1999 probably. And the creation of all that internet stuff, you know, and or in, email and as I knew it anyway. And, and I shot him an email and he said, actually, we're coming through town. You can hop, our, hop get in our van and go with us back to New York. And I said, sign me up. Let's go. 
Wow. Now, look, it's it's no secret that you are a massive fan of rock, especially we'll call it metal, but you're way too young. Like right now you're wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. I've seen the Motorhead. I've seen these other shirts that you're wearing. You're too young. So let's. I, I want to hear from you. Who influenced you? There had to be somebody in your life that loved that music and played it when you were younger, or did you just discover it on your own? No, 100%. Yeah, it was my dad. Um, okay. Same with Avery. She's quite a bit younger than me. My gray hairs are coming out like crazy, but you know, I am too, I'm technically too young for, for like an ACDC era. You know, I was like 11 years old when Nirvana came out. And so right in that era was, was kind of my heyday. That's grunge era, but I just, I didn't really like it. You know, my, I mean, I, it was okay, but my dad was blasting, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Black Sabbath and and Zeppelin, like pretty often, like he had a big record player, you know, old school record, big giant speakers. And, and he was always playing his old records and it just rubbed off on me. He never really went to concerts or anything like that, but man, I, I got hooked. I got hooked at a really young age. I started playing music when I was really young. I think I was probably seven when I first started kind of getting a little bit more serious and started taking lessons and things. And I had my first drum set by the time I was eight years old. And just took just took to it at an early age in, in in the middle of a cornfield where it was nothing else to do really you know so the rest is history you know and, and Avery again she's quite a bit younger than I am same thing with her her dad was a yeah. major major rocker and he still he goes to rock shows with us he's an awesome dude too and we just we were just raised right on on good music so I'll make a, that really tough question for somebody who's as deep into the music as you are if you had to pick one band you only get one. Is that, that's hard to do. It is hard to do, but that's the question. You know, I've been in rock and roll radio for a long time and that question comes up a lot. We can, we'll talk about that. But for me, it'd be ACDC. If I had to pick one band period, that was like, I guess my favorite, because we can go on about this for hours. I don't know that my desert Island or deserted Island, however you want to say it, band would be the same as necessarily my favorite band. Those that, that might be two different questions. Okay. But maybe not. But if I had to pick one one band as my favorite of all time, I believe ACDC would be the top of the list. And we're taking the kids. We have a five and a three-year-old. Next week, there's a concert in where they do Coachella in, in California. And it's a bunch of, you know, the really biggest rock bands ever that are still around because, you know, they're, they're getting older. And ACDC is going to be there as well as Iron Maiden, who's on my shirt today, and Guns N' Roses, Metallica. And this is a big event, and we are taking our five-year-old and our three-year-old because I can't imagine they're ever going to get the chance to see ACDC again. And so that is important to us. At some point, my son just turned three. I do I do feel that he's got a pretty good chance to be the last person on the planet someday that can say he saw ACDC live. So uh, <laughs> That's great. Is, is Axel touring with uh, Guns N' Roses again? Yeah, Axel's been back with the band. Well, it's the other way around, really. He's always had the name. So it's been, you know, Axel, Guns N' Roses was Axel with a different band for many, many years. But the band has been back together for four, five, six years now um, okay. and, and touring full time with the original guys, except for the drummer. Steven Adler is, uh, has not been in the band for, for two or three years. So you, you, you played drums, you had to be in a, you had to be in a multiple bands. I mean, I can't imagine you weren't playing and playing music and doing covers of this kind of stuff. Is that what you were kind of driving towards? Yeah, I was, I started playing in uh, bands when I was very young and uh, my parents were driving me to nightclubs and because I couldn't drive yet, you know, and uh, dropping me off and playing shows with, I'd say about 15 is where that started to get pretty serious. Okay. 
and 16, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I always had at least one band, even at that age, I, I usually had two. And I never really, you know, made a career out of it. There's not like any band that I could mention that you've ever heard of or anything, but it, it was a huge part of my life. And then eventually just to, to, to move the story along, because it's quite frankly, there's not anything interesting in the band section of my life. Okay. Uh, but I got into, when I moved to New York, uh, of course, to play in bands. And I had, I was, again, at least one or two bands going at all times in the city. Um, I started uh, attending bar to make ends meet. And then eventually ended up owning a little rock and roll bar in, in Manhattan when I was 25 years old. My the, the lady I was working for owned several bars in the neighborhood. And she was opening a new one and basically brought me in to run the show. And, and you know, I was a very young age. And that's where I learned how to run a business. I'm very grateful for her, even even though it was, you know, it was a lot of work and definitely probably not the healthiest way to live your life. But, you know, she, she th that whole experience, especially so young, being a guy straight off the cornfield, literally, yeah. Uh, you know, I learned how to run a business in New York City, a very successful, I mean, it was teeny tiny little six, 700 square foot bar, but rock and roll. And it was rock and roll all the time. And that was a time and place in the world where you couldn't find that thing, that type of thing. There was not, you know, there was very few places in that big, you know, in, even in that massive city of 12 million people where you could even go hear a rock and roll song and get a, you know, cheap beer. So we kind of cornered that market in our neighborhood and, and it, it took off right away. And the, and the bar was very popular and, and then it eventually moved into the radio thing from there. Yeah. So how long does it take for you to move on to, I think you were, you were on Sirius XM, right? You were part of a Ozzy's Boneyard, which was had to be a dream come true. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent. I still am actually. I do that. Uh, I did that for after the bar. I kind of, I got lucky and I fell into a couple of overnight shows on, on, on a channel on satellite radio and well, lucky making 80, 80 bucks a show or whatever, you know, mm. but I worked my way up and, and it's, it's like that in any business. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta sweep the floors before you can make a living, you know, and I'm very grateful for, for radio and satellite radio and my career there and did that for many, many years, worked my way up, eventually got to the point where it was like a real job and I was in love with it. And I still, I still do it. I did, I gave up full-time radio probably about three years ago and I still do two shows on the one, one show on Saturday and one show on Sunday and play old rock and roll records and just old school you know, old school radio disc jockey, you know, the guy talking between the songs, that kind of thing. That's still awesome. love it. Yep, it's fun. I would say three years ago is kind of when the short-term shop took off, in my opinion, <laughs> looking at some of the results. And so you probably went full-time there. So let's, we'll, we'll gently switch over. The first is I've got to get you and Avery connected. How did you meet? You know, because I know that, I know that you both have that rock background. I'm assuming that was part of it. Oh yeah, we met at a rock and roll concert. Okay. I don't remember much of it, to be honest. And I ran into her again like a week later and she was like, you're that guy from the concert. And I'm like, what? I had I didn't remember. So we ran into each other randomly twice in New York City and it was just meant to be. And and this was, you know, this we, we were we were like right on the edge of when everybody switched over to Tinder and all that, you know. We we actually met in real life and and the rest is history madly in love you know and and of course now we've been together for quite some time and have two yeah. wonderful just amazing perfect children and but yeah awesome. we did meet at a rock and roll concert how do you go to nashville what was the move there what was it for why yeah which leads to the real estate you know so yeah. She's from the South and I'd been in New York for as long as I needed to do whatever I was doing there. And I mean, a long, long time. And, 
and it was it was time. You know, I met a, met the right girl, and she was from Mississippi, and I'm like, well, that, that's not a real place, you know. And and she took me there, and then she said, you know what, I I want to move closer to my family. Family's important to me, and and I and I agreed with her. I said that's a good idea, and so we landed on uh, Tennessee, Nashville. It was a good, happy medium between, you know, having a big city, but also in the South. And we did that for a number of years and then eventually moved further out into the woods. And, and now well, these days we're in Florida, actually, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so Avery shared a story. I'd like to hear your version of it, of how you first got involved in investing, right? And in, in, in owning, you know, another property, a rental property. Yeah, and my story is a little different than her story, even though it's the same story. It, uh, do you it remember? Which, happens that way. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember which number she was on your podcast? Uh, I can look it up. I'll look it up while you're going. Yeah. But just to refer back, if anybody's interested, because she yeah. is a, a driving force in real estate, obviously, and everybody loves her. And but anyway, for me, it was very simple. We moved from a place where I could never in a million years dream of affording real estate to a place where we could afford real estate. And that was it. And I grew up, you know, my dad was a hammer swinger. He grew, he built the house he lives in and, and did contracting on the side. And his dad, my grandfather was a contractor. So, and his, my, and my uncle, my dad's brother, and all these guys in the whole family were builders and, and, and contractors. And, uh, you know, mostly side gigs here and there, but some of them were doing it for a living. And so it was always around, you know, my dad taught me how to, what hammer to buy and, and how to swing a hammer at a very early age and, you know, how to uh, get my way around a house, which was a very important tool that I didn't even realize I was learning. And, and so we bought our first house there in, in, in Tennessee and we were both just extremely drawn to the experience and fell in love with it, which as many people do. And I actually thought I was going to I, I I ended up going to home inspector school. I knew that I was sucked into this this house buying thing. I didn't know which part of it was going to be for me, so I just started to explore all avenues. And I happened to dig the guy that did our inspection. So and I related to him coming from a blue collar family, etc. And I went to home inspector school, and I quickly learned that wasn't going to do it for me. And it wasn't until years and years later that I realized that just the actual landlording was what I was meant to do. Um, and so, but at that time I did start to focus on that. It took me many years to realize that was my, my goal, my mission in life, my gift, if you will, uh, because it is not easy and not everybody can do it, but I started to, we started to save money and, and, and educate ourselves at that point in time. And that's when it all started. And, and I believe you heard the story about the first home. We, we lived on $25 a day each for it was 18 months. I think it actually took us 17. We were a month early uh, to come up with our first down payment on a rental property. We were had a goal of a hundred thousand dollar house, and we needed. We knew we needed. Well, we thought we needed 20 percent down. That's all we knew about real estate, and uh, so we came up with 20 grand the hard way. And I mean, and we were commuting too, so that was 25 dollars a day for my gas, and that was man, it was a long drive to get to working back, uh, and food, and a stop at the bar on the way or whatever, you know or at the end, I should say. But, you know, so we, we just, we just, we bootstrapped it. We worked our asses off and we set goals and we made it happen. We ended up 18 months later buying our first rental property. And then shortly after that, we just got completely immersed in the, I, I, I decided to make it my, you know, I wanted it to be my career. I, I, to me, I was, I was just learning my trade. 
I need to know every single teeny tiny detail of this business if I'm going to succeed. And that's what I did. I first started with lending was my first obsession. I wanted to know everything about it. And anyway, time goes by. We learned, you know, and learned and learned and read and read. And Bigger Pockets, of course, was a big thing for us at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, exp- just just found them. I, th- I think I originally found them around episode 70 of their podcast or so. And became obsessed with that. And they were doing a great thing over there. And then the books, of course, and at that point, yep. I had not read Rich Dad or even heard of it. And so that would, you know, that was presented to me. And of course, I fell in love with that. And, and the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, you were, you know, when you first got into the game, it was more long-term kind of stuff, right? That's kind of what you were focused on. But the name of the group, the company, the the empire, is the short-term shop. Yeah. Because I think, you know, that, that was what I first, that's how I first met Avery was you, you guys kind of evolved into this. Well, how do we, how do we get these properties to get them onto the the sites? Right. And how do we manipulate or at least work with Airbnb or VRBO or all these other places? So when did that little transition come in your mind? And I know you still do both and you, mm-hmm. you still consult or help investors with whatever plan they want, but, but how did that short-term stuff come about? Yeah. So for me, and again, Avery's story is slightly different, but for me, it was, we needed a new market. So we bought that house in Nashville. And then all of a sudden Nashville, like you couldn't even go to the grocery store without seeing a a famous person. And it it just completely skyrocketed. So overnight that house was, was, you know, I I don't want to say it doubled overnight, but it was pretty damn close. Hmm. And I hated that. I did not. I mean, yeah, you would think that as a guy, I was I was maybe 31 to something like that at the time. Young guy. We, we were just married and you, you get handed $100,000 because the city you're living in blew up. You know, you'd think that's an amazing thing. But I was annoyed because I wanted to do it again, you know, and I'm like, by the time I come up with another down payment, this this house isn't going to make any money. It's, it's, it's going to cost me twice as much to buy it. And, and then, and the rent's still going to be the same as what it was when I rented, you know, my tenant. So I was annoyed and we had to look elsewhere. And the next, I mean, quite frankly, it was really as simple as the fact that the next town where you could make a couple of bucks was Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. And it was right down the road. And Avery had a quite a bit of experience there because she grew up in the South and that's what you do in the South. You go to the mountains. And, and so she said, you know, they got cabins out there. And I was like, what, (laughs) you know? And, and so we went and looked and, and we were early adopters. Quite frankly, we were right place, right time. We got lucky and we worked our rear ends off. We, we still, to this day, I still, our very first cabin I own, I, I, we still own them all, never refinanced or anything. And which is, it's, it's some, it's important to note because of how much equity has been put into the economy. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to be taking as much equity as they can. And we never did that on the, at least, you know, on those properties. Anyway, we still today own what are the longest running Airbnbs in the Great Smoky Mountain area of Tennessee. Now, that being said, Bill, we, we are nowhere near, we, we didn't create that. You know, I mean, they've been right. doing overnight rentals in, in the Smokies for 150 years. Right. But we were early adopters on this whole new hip way of doing things. Also, I do want to give credit where credit is due. Verbo has been around since 1999, going again back Mm. to me being in high school. So people have been doing what we're doing for a very, very long time. 
but it just started to change right when we were getting involved. And I got, I'm also an early Airbnb adopter. I've been on Airbnb since 2011. And if you remember it, they, they kind of started in 2007, give or take, but it was really in the infant stages. And, and what it was, was this, believe it or not, it was a Super Bowl commercial that put Airbnb on the map. Right. In 2011. And that's, if you go read my profile, I've been on there since 11. And so we were, you know, we were right place, right time. Nobody was doing this new hip, cool way of doing things in those old Tennessee mountains. And quite frankly, we got lucky. But again, I, I don't, to me, it, we were, we, we were meant to do this. It was a, we were part of a mission, you know, I mean, it was uh, honestly, it was uh, really a bigger, a bigger thing than what, what we were capable of. And it was just, we were just the figureheads and, and uh, in some capacity, of course, many other people doing what we're doing, but we, we got in, we did it, we had success and then we shared it with other people. Go giver, give, 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 give is our philosophy and yep. it's, it's paid off for us. Yeah. Three years ago, I think you were in three states. And, and and I remember Avery talking about how you open up a state. It's not like you do it remotely. You like travel there <laughs> and you make sure, you know, you're in the right places, right? But this is now, it's now 2023. And if you look at the map on short-term shop, you're in a whole lot more states. What? How many states are you guys in now? 20. Well, 20 markets. Some okay. some markets are in, in, I don't know the number of states if you want to know the okay. truth. Uh, but 20 Something markets. less than 20. <laughs> Yes, probably 20 or less. And it's all vacation towns, you know, so we have a model, right? And again, I should mention that, of course, Avery, in this whole process, again, extremely hardworking human being. She's not, she's not a human. I mean, I live with her, so I get to see it. She's not normal. She plugs herself in at night. She's, she's a freak, you know, so... And I'm very proud of her. She works her ass off. And and she, over time, became literally one of the biggest real estate agents on the planet. And the short-term shop was born. And we have this amazing team of really amazing agents that she, you know, she's trained and hired and curated the entire process. And of course, I was there along for the ride. I'm not an agent. I should mention that. I've never been an agent, but, and I've never sold a house that I didn't own. And even then I used an agent, but, but yeah, so the short-term shop was born and, and it's been, it's been our honor and, and our privilege to, to give back all this stuff that we've learned by basically killing ourselves, quite frankly, over the years, because, you know, I mean, listen, either you've got a lot of money and that's why you got in real estate, or you're going to kill yourself and bust your ass and in, in real estate, you got two choices, you know, right? and we didn't have a lot of money. Now there, this is uh, bill, this is a, Real estate is a $4 trillion business yep. industry. And so the money's there. But if you don't have the money to go buy the deals, you got to, you know, you got to hustle and, and and crush it and work hard and and patience. Got to take your time, slow down. I see all these new folks that are just like so shot out of a cannon. I got to have 14 doors tomorrow. And it's just not realistic, you know? So, and that's how we did things. And we, we learned and learned and learned and learned and still continued. I still every day wake up at four in the morning and I listen to two podcasts and read three books. And, and I'm very grateful to, to have the opportunity to work so hard because that's what it takes. That's what it takes. If only there was someone at the short-term shop that was producing content that could help that new person (laughs) trying to figure out how to get into the game. Right. And that's you, your, your title. I like, I love the title, CEO, chief educator officer yeah. we'll call it and you're doing a ton of videos you're you're obviously not a shy person so let's talk about that process for you i think it has to be right up your alley you're you're very comfortable in that position and i and i'm sure you get tons of questions in that role 
And I always like to find out like, what's the most common question or what's the dumbest question? Nah, we shouldn't say dumb. The weirdest question, you know, that you're asked is you're trying to educate. My guess is not just, maybe it's also educating agents as well as the public. Is that true? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. On investing, I obviously have nothing yeah. to offer an agent on the, in the way of right. closing a deal. That's not something sure. I am capable of doing and I don't have this, the, the credentials, but, but on investments, absolutely. And that's where I came in. That's where I came in. My wife was getting huge in the, you know, as a, as a real estate agent and making a name for herself and, and she needed help with all these questions and I had the answer. So she would, I mean, I remember in the very early days, they would just call me, the clients would call me her clients, and they would ask me a million questions about what do I do when this happens? What do I do when that happens? And of course, it evolved into actual presentations and more professional over the years. And, and now I teach a class called Management Monday, which is our big thing at the shop where it's a, you know, a three-hour intensive, basically everything you need to know about how to manage a property from a distance. And, but that, just to answer your question, that's not that, the two biggest repeat questions I get are, how do I get into my next deal? How do I get my next property? And then how do I do this from a distance? I can't do this from a distance. And to answer the first question, Bill, as you know, uh, I hate to be brutally honest, but if you want to get into your next property, you're going to need some cash. <laughs> you know, it's kind of as simple as that. And Avery and I put in the time. I mean, we were doing everything back in the day. We, I sold a car. I sold a, I sold a motorcycle. She sold a guitar. Here's one for you. I don't, I don't recommend this one. We got in a terrible car accident, a horrible car accident and got a settlement. And that went towards a down payment. Do not do that one. That's it good. Was <laughs> don't do No, it was horrible. Yeah. And, right. uh, and we didn't get, it wasn't much, you know, it, it wasn't enough to buy a house, but it went in the fire. Everything went in the fire because we were so shot out of a cannon. And honestly, man, to be bring it back full circle, I think it goes back to the rock and roll thing. Avery and I are both rock and rollers and that there's a big culture there where you don't really like take, you don't take any crap. And so we found that real estate was our, was our path because we could, we could be our own boss, basically, even though we knew we were going to have to work harder. I've worked 20, 30, 40 times harder than any job I've ever had at this real estate thing. And it's, and I'm glad to do it. I feel it's an, it's a privilege to be able uh, to do this. And Bill, here's another thing. It, my, I've always lived by, if you can't go up, get out. That's a huge thing for me. Um, it's back in the bar. I knew that I was at the top. You know, I was like, this is as big as I can get in the dive rock and roll bar business. I'm in the biggest city in the world. My bar's packed every night. Yes, I could open more of them, but eh, you know, so in real estate, there's no such thing. You cannot get, you can't, there's no ceiling. You can just no. keep going and building infinitely if you want to. Now, the thing yeah. about this, the, the beauty about that, again, even more beautiful is that at some point you might slow down and be like, you know what? I think I'm good. And I'm still trying to find that happy level, that medium, that level right there. I think I'm pretty close to it. But, you know, if I found the right deal, I'd jump all over it. But anyway, I don't even remember where we were at, but we went, no. we went well, a lot I'll, of different directions. I'll, I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back, Mister Mister Rock and Roll. Just for, <laughs> I, I, you, I know it's a, it, it would take probably two two podcast episodes to cover this, but managing from afar. Oh yes. some basic tips that'd be great. Man, get out of your own way. That's my best piece of advice. It's not that big a deal. Again, David Green, of course, wrote the book on investment, long distance real estate investing. Doesn't have anything to do with short term, but it, the principles are still there. And here, let me throw this one at you, Bill. Um, 
And as you can tell, I've probably said this once or twice before. If you're going to get into short term, one of the best reasons to do that is because you can actually use it. There's no other asset class out there on the planet. You can't use this. You can't sleep inside of a stock. You know, you can't create memories at a long term rental. I mean, you can rehabbing it and working on it and stuff, but you can't take your kids there and go fishing, you know. And you can do that with a vacation home. And that's, you know, Avery loves to travel. And that's really why, yeah, I was always definitely more towards the long-term side of things. And we've got a couple, 300 long-term rentals and only just the eight vacation homes. Now, also keep in mind, eight one vacation home is like 10 or 20 long-terms, single families, depending on, you know, how your purchase price is. Obviously, there's somewhere, it's going to be somewhere in that ballpark, really. If you're doing a vacation wow. home right, yeah. you know, average vacation home, in America is going to be something like, you know, in a vacation town, you're probably looking at 6,800. 6, now, it can be done for two or three, no problem. It depends on your market. But anyway, what my point is, is that you can use it. You can take your family there. You can utilize it in the off season. There's no lease. There's no, there's no, some, there's nobody in there like, I live here. You can't come here, you know. Right. And that's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. So that being said, nobody is going to go on vacation in the town they live in. Uh, so almost everybody's going to be doing If you're doing it the way we do it, you're probably going to be doing it from a distance. Uh, because why the hell would you buy a vacation home right down the street? It's just part of the gig. If you're going to get into vacation rental or real estate, there's a 95% chance that you're going to be doing it from a distance. And it's, it's really not, you know, Airbnb and Verbo have put millions and millions and billions of dollars into the marketing for us and kind of, they don't get enough credit, in my opinion. They get crapped on a, a lot and sometimes they deserve it. But man, think of all the money they've spent to make it easier for us to do what we're doing. And I'm grateful for that. So is there, do you have, was it a system you built over time, trial and error? You know, because I imagine you got to have like some key people that live in that vacation down next to your vacation rental. Otherwise you're just not going to make it work. Well, I'd love to take credit for that, but if you want to know the truth, these people are already there. You know, these, ah. these, the towns where we're talking about the, the, where Avery operates and, and, and there are others, you know, there's plenty of towns that, that we're not in that would, this would work. You're what you're looking for, Bill is a town where a lot of people go on vacation, but not a lot of people live. Mm. So, most of the people in those towns are working in this industry. And, and and over the years, it has been more and more common. When we first started, it was difficult to find a, a cleaner because they were all working for the property management companies. And it was a kind of a cushy gig. Maybe they even had their, their own car, you know, their work vehicle or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they kind of looked at it as funny, like they're going to you're going to do you're going to put this on what and do what with it? You know, it was a new thing. And, and now it's totally, everybody knows what Airbnb is. Everybody knows what Verbo is. And so it's, it's a household thing. Now we live in a tiny, I mean, it's about 7,000 people in the town we live in, but again, millions and millions of people coming in. For instance, I was at church on a Sunday morning and the the lady in front of me was, I know, happened to notice she was scrolling through Verbo on her phone of the messages. And she had like 40 house. She was a property manager, you know? And uh, it's just totally normal, you know, and you go, you go to uh, any other town outside of one of these little vacation towns. And that would be like, wait a minute, what are you doing? How do you know about Verba? But down here, she would literally had like, it was probably a hundred properties. She was scrolling through in during service, you know, and it's just the way it is. It's totally normal, you know? And, and, and of course she knows how to find a good housekeeper. Now, 
Bill, as you know, uh, it's never easy to find a good employee of any kind. So you do, you know, you got to do your work there and, and put in the time and effort and get, basically you got to be, let me put it this way. You hear sometimes every now and then in this business where I can't find a good cleaner. Oh man, I can't do this because there's no good cleaners. That's somebody that somebody, nobody wants to work for that person because they mm. aren't good at landlord. You know, if you're a good landlord, people want to work for you. Talking to the investor side of Luke, right? This is your passion. This is what you love doing. And what what do you see going forward, right? Because rates are still kind of a problem. Inventory can be a problem in a lot of places in the country, probably especially in the places where you want to have those rentals. So what's your what's your take? What do you see? What's your crystal ball say? Overall economy or my personal future? Uh, <laughs> well, well how about both? <laughs> yeah, they, they are fairly related, I suppose. Okay. You know, it's rough out there. It is. It's tough. What we've got is a standstill, right? You've got sellers. Well, and there's two different kinds of sellers right now. You got the sellers that bought in 2021 and 2022 that, quite frankly, they're only selling because they're scared. And if they were smart, they would not sell. Don't do that. If you bought in 21 or 20, you need to hold that thing. You've got to hold it. I don't care what it is. Trailer park, mobile home park, storage units. If you bought at the peak, don't sell. But we do have those sellers right now because they're scared. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. And I hope that they change their mind, quite frankly. And then you've got these others. And that's a very that's kind of a small really in the grand scheme of things, compared to all property owners worldwide, you're talking a very small number of people that buy in a one-year period. Now, we did have a metric ton of people buy real estate in 20 and 21. So, you know, it's higher than a normal year, but it's still just one or two years. And so then you got the people that were before the gold rush when the money printing. um, And those people are like, okay, let's put it at this super high price that it could have gotten a year and a half ago. Let's go ahead and see if we can get that. But I'm not really, you know, like they're not really sellers. And sometimes they're getting it. Sometimes they're not. I've made, I've made four offers in the last week. These were on uh, single family long terms and they didn't go anywhere. I think they probably got scooped up by primary homeowners. Three, two, three years ago, these properties would not have been, I would, primary home buyers would not have been my competition. They wouldn't want these houses. And now today, right now, anyway, they are wanting it. But where is it going? I have no idea, man. I do my best to, to I, firstly, I'm, I'm always positive, right? I'm, I'm eternal optimist. You're not going to get me to say anything negative. And I, I think that's a good thing. Some people are saying, well, of course, you, the short-term shop sells houses. Of course, you're being you know, positive. And I'm like, well, if you want me to sit around and crap on real estate, that's not going to happen because it has given so much to me. For me, it's more about making sure my houses are awesome. I've been doing a lot of that lately. I do that in general. I mean, I want to be a really good landlord. I want my my people to have an amazing place to create memories and an awesome place to, to you know, for my long terms to, to raise their kids and come home from a nice, you know, place to come home from soccer practice and cook dinner, granite countertops and nice home. And, and they deserve it. For me, again, I like to give, 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 and I I take that same prince, those same principles in my real estate. My ha- my properties are going to be nicer than the guy next door, than the, than the other the average Joe landlord, and I, and I do feel that that's come back to me in the form of more wealth. Quite quite frankly, I have no idea if I answered your question, Bill. I had fun anyway. Luke, Luke this uh, has been awesome, and I've got it. I'm, I'm going to ask you the same final question I've asked every guest. And I have, there's probably 30 or 40 guests I have that weren't realtors. So don't have to be a realtor to answer this. It's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? 
for me, again, I'm, I have the buyer's perspective and I love, love, love a great real estate agent. It's obviously a huge deal in my household. And, and I know, I know what real estate agents go through on a daily basis. And it's, it's hard. You're in a client facing business and you're going to get crapped on. And that's probably why I can't do it. I just can't, I can't handle it. Like Avery, man, she just handles it. Like it's just smooth as butter. You know, she's absolutely born to close deals. She's so good at it. I, I have a lot of respect for the agents I work with and I, I have spent time on those relationships. I have one agent that I talk to every single day. I have several agents because I also buy multifamily a number of years ago, we, you know, you evolve and grow and eventually we started buying apartments. And so I have a number of agents in that space as well. And I have one agent in the single family long-term space. And then of course I have the short-term shop. If, if usually that bill, if I need to buy another vacation home, it's because Avery threw it in my inbox. You know, she's like, here, go buy this. (laughs) (laughs) We want this one. Yeah. Go buy this. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. It sounds like, it sounds like I'm hearing, you know, be, be a relationship builder. Yeah. Be a relationship builder. Now, to, to bring it down to answer your actual question without that big, giant speech, answer the phone. That's for me, being responsive is number one. As a buyer, I, that's what I want. Now, not every buyer is going to be the same. So you need to be a chameleon. Uh, to me, I learned a lot about uh, client facing in the bar. You know, I mean, being able to judge character and figure out what they need. That's the most important thing. Listen to some Zig Ziglar. And, and figure out what this person actually wants out of life. And at this stage in my career, I want to I be able to provide amazing places for these people to create a, a, a nice life. And so I'm looking for neighborhoods and, and things like that, good neighborhoods. But respond and find out what they need. And, and, and yeah, build a relationship. You find a guy like me, man, my, my long-term agent closed, I don't know, 35 deals with me last year. So she's happy. Yeah. Uh, this year's a little different, but we're working. We're working on it. Nice. Yeah, it's, I think that's a great answer. And by the way, only two people have ever said, "Answer the phone." It was the first guest, Jay Thompson, and and now episode three sixty five, you. So that's very cool. <laughs> You'll always have that. So I can't tell you how much fun this was, Luke. If you if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, short term shop. We built, you know, an amazing team of uh, awesome agents, and it's a family vibe, you know. And me and Avery have, you know, we really worked our rear ends off, and and we 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 want to earn your business. Quite frankly, Avery is is the best in the business. And if you want, if you're interested, we want to be a household name, you know. If you yeah. want to buy a vacation house, you come to Avery. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And then Luke will teach you how to how to do the nuts and bolts. So the the shorttermshop.com. Again, I have a podcast as well, short-term rental management. It's it's it, you're never going to believe it's it's about managing short-term rentals. And and I do that every Tuesday and it's very very niche down. I mean, it's about as niche down as you can get my podcast, but we have a lot of fun over there. Yeah, that's super important in the podcast world. Niche is good. Episode 241 was Avery's. You're 365. She was 241 back in June of 2020. So uh, I'll put links to that. I'll put links to your podcast. I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes. So if you're listening, just go ahead and click down there and you can you can grab all that. Luke, had a great time. This was amazing. I hope you're going to be at EXP Con, maybe possibly in Vegas. Are you guys thinking about that? Uh, wifey is spe- speaking. She's got, she's getting three awards, Avery, and she's uh, speaking. I am not coming, I but my daughter is. My daughter oh. is coming to see mom, get some awards. Nice. And then I'm taking my son. We're meeting. The whole family is, is going to reconvene at that 
metal concert that I was talking nice. about with ACDC Perfect. and Perfect. Judas Priest and Indio, California. So we're going to fly over the top of them and meet them in, in California. Well, I'll, I'll try to find her. I'll be there with Rate My Agent. So we're excited uh, about our partnership with EXP. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to say hi if we get a chance to. But thanks again. This was a, a really wonderful episode. Appreciate it. Well, absolutely. My pleasure, man. You're a rock star and I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. 